Hello and welcome to this CB on Air podcast. I'm Dan Hinge. Fintech has been on a rapid upward trajectory in recent years and is now an issue that no central bank can ignore. But central banks and other authorities may need to do more to ensure that their frameworks are fit for these new forms of finance. I'm pleased to be joined today by Jose Garrido and Juan Sebastian Viancha Trujillo from the IMS legal department to talk through some of the unaddressed legal issues around fintech. They tackle the topic in a recent IMF paper. Jose and Juan Sebastian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Nice to see you. So to kick things off, um, can you tell me a little bit about your research note? How did that research come about and what are some of the key findings? Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Dan. Uh, first, uh, let, let me say that this note is the product of a team effort. We have worked on this uh, on this note with our co-authors, Jan Lu, who is Deputy General Counsel at the Fund, and Joseph Sommer, who is an academic and a former New York Fed lawyer. Um, by way of context, uh, the IMF is very active, as you know, in the fintech area, and there are many teams working on the, all issues related to the financial sector. And there's been a remarkable production of analytical pieces in most of the key areas in fintech. But for some time, uh, there's been the idea of having an overview of all of these fintech developments, connecting them to the legal perspective. And this has been contemplated in the Bali fintech agenda. So this note looks at the connection between technological changes and legal change, which in itself is, is a fascinating subject. At, at key, key points in history, for instance, the Industrial Revolution, uh, changes in technology and the law have reinforced each other. We believe we could be living a similar moment now with the revolutionary changes that uh, digital technology is bringing about. So what we do is we look at the traditional areas of commercial law, company law, securities law, which actually are the layer over which all financial activity is conducted. And we see how all of these areas are being affected or will be eventually affected by the changes in technology. Mostly, uh, I would say blockchain or DLT, but also artificial intelligence or the Internet of Things. So what we have found is that there is great potential and these uh, digital technologies may completely transform the way that uh, business is conducted and the way the financial sector operates. However, there are also risks involved because these developments are very fast and the law needs to keep pace with them, which is the title of our note. So legal changes are necessary for these technologies to achieve their full potential. And in the end, uh, law and technology are not enemies. They really reinforce each other. So the scope of the analysis and the conclusions are applying to these developments, but it's really the beginning of a debate. And it's a debate that needs to involve all kinds of uh, stakeholders, including, of course, central banks. Right, and that, that brings me neatly to my second question, which is that the note covers uh, kind of commercial law and, and how that intersects with technology. Um, so the question is, why, why is it important for central banks to understand these issues? Uh, that's a very good question then. And actually, I will start by adding something that Jose echoed, and is that 
all these technological advances are growing in a very fast manner, like the way they're spreading, the way they're getting a massive reach out to users, um, entities, even governments. And there is one main point behind there, and it's basically that people, users, entities, authorities, regulatory agencies, they're also taking for granted that commercial law, the, as Jose mentioned, the rails of commercial law, will actually serve to incorporate in a safe manner all these technological advances. So for instance, something that we found in our research is that it, to some extent, all of this technology is connected. So funny to see how DLT technology is actually extremely connected and is like basically like the brother of tokens and on the same side as smart contracting plays a very important role in DLT and tokenization. So basically from our research, we see that although they grow and they basically operate in a separate manner or they're actually people are advertising technology in a separate manner, they're pretty connected. And so getting up to your question of why this is important, uh, to central banks, well, basically the question is, the, the answer is simple and is technology in terms of products and services and also in terms of the entities, how they are formed and they're operating. Uh, they're spanning across all the financial system from banking activities to securities activities, even insurance activities. And basically this is reshaping the way products and services are offered. So for instance, just think about how a loan in the digital work is being offered, is being negotiated and actually being executed right now. So in this way, all the all the actors, all the participants that depends on central banks and that are uh, connected to central banks are changing their rails in which they are operating and in which they are operating their products and services. So perhaps we can explore some of the kind of specific impacts on, on, on central banks. Central banks. Um, how might the tokenization of assets impact a central bank's um, market operations, for instance? Oh, the changes that we analyze may affect the whole functioning of securities markets, and that includes, of course, central bank market operations. Tokenization of assets, particularly securities as bonds, affects the way that monetary operations and repurchase programs are conducted. So if public bonds, for instance, or corporate bonds are represented by tokens in DLT or blockchain networks, there is a clear need for rules that establish how ownership of bonds or other securities is transferred. Uh, I think right now we have the technology, but we are not sure what the legal effects are. So somebody said, like, this is like when you have a telephone. So the law doesn't change the way the telephone works, but the law establishes whether a conversation by telephone has legal consequences. So we are in this exact same position here. And uh, there are other issues that need to be addressed. For instance, is there a possibility of avoiding transfer? are all of these transfers irreversible? So in the end, uh, all of the rules also on clearing and settlement that will have an immediate impact on these central bank operations will need to be revised. I think it, this is something, for instance, that the European Union is looking at right now. Thank you. And I imagine that applies to collateralized lending as well by central banks, is, is that right? Yes, actually, uh, that's a very good question and echoing what Jose 
was talking about tokenization, uh, it's very important, and we actually try to bring this into the note that it's a very massive and flexible process. Basically, tokenization translated as everything is subject to tokenization from tangible assets, such as, I don't know, an orange, up to intangible assets. More particularly in this case, I will say that tokenization of financial instruments could lead us to basically uh, to analyze whether the creation, the ownership interest, and even the transfers are valid and legally speaking. So basically, they will say um, a digital bond that basically can be translated as a, as a security token. Um, the main question will be if these new forms of products are valid under the law. So talking about uh, collateralized lending, think about uh, the transfer of a repo, of a bond, or even the creation of an ownership interest or uh, or a collateralization over a loan. So the main question will be if there is enough legal certainty behind the operation. Basically, is the holder protected? Are the parties protected? So I will say the main challenge is basically incorporating all forms of operation into a new rail that is the digital rail. Right, very interesting. And then I, I guess so to move to the other side of the central bank's mandate, firstly, um, I guess these changes are going to be impacting financial firms. Um, and then I'll, I'll ask you in a minute also about the kind of systemic impact of it. But how how is this important for, for the financial firms that, that central banks oversee? I think this is probably one of the areas that may change the most in the future. Um, we only have started to see the implications that, that these uh, changes may have for the way that the financial institutions operate and function. Uh, there is potential for a completely new way of conducting the financial sector activities. So there's this possibility, for instance, that uh, we don't have just uh, tokenized uh, shares, but also that these shares through the integration with smart contracts actually allow different forms of organization on decision making in and this would apply to any type of uh, organizations that includes also financial institutions so we may see the emergence of new types of operators that are actually where actually these technologies uh, embedded in the in the way they operate and that will uh, create a lot of uh, challenges i believe from the point of view of the supervisors especially but there's also the other side and is how the uh, financial institutions conduct their business. And there, I think uh, also the, the transformations are massive. So, for instance, we see how automated contracting is changing the, the way that uh, uh, firms operate in the financial markets and also, you know, the way that lending uh, operations are conducted, the, 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 the way that Many decisions are based on algorithms, uh, and uh, that means that uh, in the end, um, you know, the supervision is going to change entirely. You will need to supervise what the algorithms are doing, and uh, this is going to transform the way, not only the way that the financial institutions are operating, but also the way that they will be supervised. Very interesting. Very interesting. That's a big, big challenge for supervisors. And then, uh, so I also wanted to ask about the, the kind of um, the macro prudential side of it and the, 
the systemic um, impact potentially. Do, do you see that and, and do you think these legal issues could have implications for sort of broader financial stability? Um, I'll take that one and I will say that yes, I mean like the legal challenge behind um, technology, digital technology and the way they're massive and they're spanning across the financial system as we mentioned from securities to insurance, um, even to lending uh, from a macro prudential perspective from an impact on the financial stability as Jose mentioned. Uh, it's a big challenge. I think about, um, as I said, uh, the way businesses are operating right now. Uh, just as an example, artificial intelligence and automated contracting are basically reshaping the way uh, financial entities are delivering the products and services. So a good example of this will be robot advisors, the way robot advisors basically are displacing human interaction. And basically now um, an algorithm or a software is behind taking decisions, investment decisions. And on the other hand, you will have to add that the products basically, uh, for instance, uh, a bond or a share, now there will be reshaped into a digital work and there will be security tokens. So it's funny to see how the entity, just to give another example that we explore in the paper, the centralized uh, entities will basically could also replace physical entities. So from an impact on financial stability, what we are seeing is that the entity is reshaping into a digital entity. The way businesses are conducted are also into a digital rail, which are basically over artificial intelligence and smart contracting. And on the other side, the products and services are also reshaping into the forms of tokens. So this will obviously present an enormous challenge to first of all, supervise, regulate, and see how these new forms are going to impact uh, financial stability. So I guess the question then is, is what should we and what should central banks in particular be doing about it? Um, your paper calls for a new legal agenda to tackle these issues. Um, can you say a bit more about what that would involve? And is there a role for central banks in kind of helping to shape that agenda? Thanks. This is actually uh, a core part of, uh, of our paper. And uh, what we see is that many of the technological changes that we are analyzing are, are occurring in a legal vacuum. And uh, this creates a lot of legal uncertainty. It's probably can also generate unacceptable levels of risks for consumers, for investors, for the authorities. And this could result in risks to financial stability. So what we see is that there are many positive changes, um, but it's necessary to have a set of principles to, to reap the benefits of those changes and at the same time we minimize the risks. So we do mention a set of overarching principles, and I think everybody will agree with this. One is legal certainty. Another one is technology neutrality, because uh, the law should not be married to a particular form of technology. Uh, legal intervention should be targeted. We are not talking here about changing the whole legal framework, but only where that is necessary. And we also believe that cross-border regulation is extremely important because these forms of technology are, you know, are, are they are uh, they have the capability of escaping national regulation very easily. So there needs to be, in the end, some uh, cross-border regulation. But beyond these principles, we offer a list of issues that we believe uh, should be uh, the priority. 
And uh, in particular, I think uh, we need to have uh, very clear in law, we need to have very clear definitions of all of these technological inventions for like DLT, like a smart contracts or tokens. In law, everything starts with the definition. So that's actually our starting point. And then we need to recognize the legal value of the use of these digital technologies. Um, there's, there are many laws that don't recognize uh, how a transfer in blockchain should be made or what are the legal effects. We also need to deal with complex issues like uh, enforcement, like errors or, or fraud. And there needs to be more regulation of automated contracting, uh, which itself poses a lot of different issues. And uh, going to, into more specific uh, areas, uh, we need to avoid all of this problem of uh, definitions of uh, tokens as securities. There needs to be a very clear definition of security so that there's legal certainty about what is a security, what is not a security. We need to allow the uh, tokenization of assets, and that also requires a lot of uh, legal engineering. And uh, there may be uh, areas where the legal framework can play also a you know, much more constructive role, like uh, transforming the legal organizations, um, allowing uh, new forms of secured lending. So all of this is possible, but the law needs to uh, be uh, constructive. And, uh, and finally, I would also like to mention one point that is critical, and is that uh, we really need to deal with the issue of the position of uh, people who have tokens in the case of insolvency. That's a critical issue. And uh, there's some responses in, in case law, but uh, by no means a common response to the problem in all legal uh, uh, systems. And that, that also creates uh, a lot of, of uncertainty. So what I would say is that uh, central banks should definitely be involved in shaping this agenda because this affects the whole economy and it has immediate implications for the whole financial sector, for financial stability, and it's, it's absolutely essential that central banks pay attention to what is happening and particularly ensure the highest level of, of legal certainty. But there is a lot of work to do and we are fully aware of this. Yeah, it, it sounds like a huge kind of coordination challenge in terms of uh, I imagine you would need to have governments and central banks and other authorities working together. And then, as you say, there needs to be that international dimension to it as well. So, yeah, I, a lot of work to do. It's uh, quite kind of daunting. Um, OK, so final question. What, what's your view on the costs versus the benefits of this new technology? Um, do you think we're we're ultimately better off with it or, or without it? Um, that's a tough one. Um, I will start by saying that, um, I mean, technology or in particularly fintech advances, uh, basically they are behind um, main goals that are of financial inclusion. They can offer services and products in a faster manner. They can be more transparent. Uh, they also claim to be more reliable. Uh, to some extent, they are user friendly. So, to some to some point, you can see that they have become so massive because actually, they they do that to some extent. They are actually more, uh, for instance, transactions by uh, through DLT programs can be more reliable, can be more transparent in terms of records, 
Um, you can have online supervision, uh, direct supervision. It can be to users uh, in a very friendly way to access to their products and services. But on the other hand, I will say that um, the cost, and this is, will take us again to the challenges, is whether uh, the legal framework is ready to adapt these new technological advances. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we have a more reliable system, a uh, system that is a friendly user, or a system that can actually um, operates in a lower cost if we didn't have the necessary tools to incorporate it in the legal framework. So I will say that, um, I mean, technology for me is here to stay. So basically we cannot say that we're better without it. Actually, we can see the advantages. So I will say that the next step will be how to adapt that technology, those ways of offering products and services into the into the legal system, because as I was mentioning, the benefits are high, but the costs are also really high. And in legal terms, I will say the costs are that uh, in terms of legal certainty, predictability, and validity of the operations. Right. Yeah, we can't really avoid the technology, so it's absolutely important to get that framework into place. And uh, as you say, I mean, these legal challenges are already cropping up, so um, I guess we, we better get moving on it. Um, right, Jose, Juan Sebastian, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's been really great talking to you, um, so thanks very much. Thanks to you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Take care.